Welcome, everybody, to the Fretzelmania podcast. I'm Mr. Fretz. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheLegendaryJF. And I am here today to continue my series of rebooking 1995 in the WWE. And uh, this has proven to be <laughs> a little harder than I thought. I mean, I... You know, y'all know I did this on my Fretzelmania blog on WordPress back in the day. And even back then, man, I had my work cut out for me there. And on the podcasting front, I have too. So today, I'm going to be rebooking from August to October. So from SummerSlam to In Your House 4. And then I am finally closing off the year with Survivor Series and In Your House 5. I uh, believe that was... Nope, that was not the international one. I know there's an In Your House in here that takes place in Canada. Uh, no, number four. It took place in Winnipeg, you idiot. So I'm going to give you the quickly the pop culture of the late summer, early fall of 95. And this is a somewhat condensed version of something you can expect on the 20 bell salute on the wrestle addict radio patreon five bucks a month gets you exclusive shows such as that just today the day of recording on the 19th of october 2020 i dropped a packed show we had meet the parents we had uh, although I glazed over it, uh, Left Behind, a.k.a. Bad Theology, the motion picture, uh, Get Carter, uh, the debuts of of Jackass, you know, Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park, one of the greatest albums ever, was released 20 years ago in October. But this isn't 20 years ago, it is 25 years ago. Ago. So starting off with the music of the fall slash late summer of 95, topping the charts was Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio featuring LV, Waterfalls, and Creep, both by TLC, and Kiss from a Rose by Seal. The video games that were released during this time was Comic Zone for the Sega Genesis, a beat-em-up, side-scrolling, Streets of Rage, Double Dragon, style game heavily inspired by comic books you know you're jumping out from frame to frame like you're reading an actual graphic novel here really really innovative yet insanely difficult game we had tekken 2 for the arcade you know tekken 1 just dropped for the playstation 1 fairly recently one of my favorite games on the super nintendo that i recently beat for the first time Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island. The first iteration of Command & Conquer drops on the PC. You know, a real-time strategy game that spawned a gigantic franchise that I played a lot of back in this time. Now, the first Rayman for the PS1, the Sega Saturn, and the Atari Jaguar, remember that, <laughs> was released. This is a first in the wildly popular side-scrolling series of Rayman, A Secret of Evermore for the Super Nintendo, which was, I think, like a prequel or sequel or something of the Secret of Mana series. And then we'd see Destruction Derby for the PS1, Star Wars TIE Fighter for the CD-ROM, 
And oh my gosh, I just previewed into November time and it is just as crazy. Some of the movies that we would see during this period of time. Oh, the Mortal Kombat movie. Oh boy. Yikes. Um, speaking of Gangsta's Paradise, Dangerous Minds. We saw A Kid in King Arthur's Court. I definitely watched that because 1995, I would have been 11. The Babysitter's Club. I had no idea that book series had a motion picture. Desperado. A Walk in the Clouds. Into September, we see Screamers. Hackers. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The New Generation. Empire Records. Seven. What's in the box? Uh, the Big Green, which I think featured the uh, the chubby kid from, from Sandlot. You know, you play ball like a girl. Uh, October, we saw, oh boy, <laughs> one of my favorite movies from one of my favorite directors and people of all time, Mallrats. You know, the 1995 October movie that featured Jason Lee, uh, Brian O'Hallahan, Kevin Smith, Jay Muse. And uh, I think Shannon Doherty, was she in this? Anyways, yeah, this was just your classic 90s. Ethan Suppley was in this movie as well back when he was chubby. Now he is, he looks like Braun Strowman. He's effing huge. Yeah, this was just your classic 90s Jay and Silent Bob movie. Now they are two of my favorite characters in all of cinema. A couple of years ago at a Comic Con, I met Brian O'Hallahan, Dante from Clerks, and Jason Mewes, Jay. And, you know, it was quite an honor and oddly enough uh brian knew where sobble beach was the town that i grew i'm not grew up in where i currently live sudden death uh starring jod con jod con vad <clears throat> let me try it again jean claude van damme cut that and it's in a movie about a bomb threat taking place during a hockey game uh, not any hockey game it's during a pittsburgh penguins game and this was actually filmed in the igloo, the former home of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Vampire in Brooklyn, and, lest I forget, the first Toy Story movie. You know, Tim Allen, Tom Hanks, a friggin' mustache guy from Cheers who's in every Pixar movie ever. Mate, John Ratzenberger, there it is. Yeah, playing in every Pixar movie ever made. Now, this was one of the first computer CGI, computer graphics movies. Well, one of the first that looked actually good and didn't look like a game on the Panasonic 3DO. Let's go bombs the Dodongos, if you get that reference. I love you. And without further ado, I am starting off here with SummerSlam 1995. And as I said here before, I got my work cut out for me. When I was getting into wrestling, actually, when I was watching it weekly around 1996, I was obsessed with tracking down and watching all the tapes I could find. I found a lot of them at, you know, I've said this story before, of all places in my hometown, the hardware store had a vast collection of wrestling tapes that you could rent. 99 cents for the weekend. And then I would drop it off in the movie slot on my way to school Monday morning. Easy. Easy way to spend my allowance. Now, when I was young, I was a bit of a Mabel Mark. 
So me tracking down him winning King of the Ring and performing in the main event of SummerSlam 95 was a top priority. I cannot explain why. I was 11. Give me a break. Maybe I just wanted to watch all the WWE content. Now I can because I've been a subscriber to the network for about a year now. So here's my booking of SummerSlam 1995. Yeah, this was harder than I thought it would be. Uh, Mabel's not in the main event, by the way, so you're welcome in advance. Starting off here, we have Bam Bam Bigelow wrestling Kama, the Supreme Fighting Machine. And if Bam Bam wins, he gets a couple minutes alone with DiBiase. And since millionaire Ted here was retired, and he couldn't really take a lot of bumps, this is where I would debut someone. Not really in the corporation, maybe someone who would be an affiliate of Ted. I thought he was managed by him, but I might be mistaken. I don't think he came out with him at all. But Bam Bam Bigelow would win this match. And then Waylon Mercy. You know, we would see his vignettes on WWE TV leading up to this, you know. Lives are gonna be in Waylon Mercy's hands. Know what I mean? And I'm just gonna take you. And smash you like this little bug in my hands. Yeah, playing the the Max Katie from uh, Cape Fear character there. Uh, a character that would inspire Bray Wyatt and, well, Mercy the Buzzard. Would, would make his debut here and choke out Bam Bam with that same sleeper hold he defeated Salvio Vega with at In Your House 3. Intercontinental title match here. Owen Hart versus the 1-2-3 kid in a ladder match. WrestleMania 10, eat your heart out. Although the one in 95 was was decent. I know I think there was something about, oh yeah, you can't use the ladder as a weapon, or oh, we can't have blood, something, something. Uh, the best technical high flyer hybrid wrestlers are there to steal the show. I cannot fathom how great ladder match would be between Owen Hart and 123 Kid even a even in a PG-esque kind of match where as I said you can't use the ladder as a weapon. So let's pretend that that's not the case and you can go balls to the wall. Hey, I am the one running universe mode here, so I can make all the rules and pay off all the lawyers. We see spots off the ladder, missile drop kicks, spin kicks into them, you name it. And at the end of the match Owen Hart and one two three kid, you know they're they're vying for it. Kit Owen's down. He ate some kind of wacky move, and you think one two three kid. He's slowly climbing. He's selling a knee injury. He's about to come in, and then bam! Owen Hart low blows the kid. He comes crumbling down to the mat. Owen Hart retains the Intercontinental Title in a barn burner but what does this mean for hbk and razor ramon well you're just gonna have to wait and see coming up here i'll have hakushi wrestling savio vega a quick but good contest between great workers in order to showcase the white angels abilities vega starts gaining momentum before he runs into an sto and a top rope senton and the curtains for quang i mean savio uh coming up next a Match between Triple H and Bob Sparkplug Holly. This is just a squash to kind of introduce the pay-per-view audience to the Blue Blood, or as I called him during this time, the Prissy Sissy. 
shut up, I was 11. Bob gets a couple of hope spots in here, but injures himself after trying to attempt the pit stop plunge, what I call the Alabama jam top rope leg drop. He takes too long to recover. Triple H kicks out of that move. He hits a pedigree next. You heard Triple H's blue bud theme at the top of this, so maybe he's gets a little bit of a, a push here. Uh, he had been getting dark matches on pay-per-views leading up to this. He debuted in April, and this is his finally his pay-per-view debut. Bret Hart against Isaac Yankum and Jerry Lawler in a handicap elimination match. Yankum is eliminated early via a roll-up, and Hart now has Lawler all to himself. Bret Hart destroys the King, and King taps out to the sharpshooter, and Bret Hart refuses to let go, a la SummerSlam 1993 when the decision was reversed. But he does it in time as to not get himself disqualified, and Bret Hart wins and goes on to a new feud. Undertaker over Mabel in a casket match. Yeah, I'm moving this match up a few months just because I want this over with. Mabel's heel turn was a giant flop. He doesn't win King of the Ring in my timeline. And like every Taker feud before, the urn is stolen. You know, leading up to this match in the build-up, Paul Barrett gets it back and he cracks Mo, 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 Mo in the head with it. Choke slam, casket curtains mabel's done and in the main event in the shocker from in your house to electric boogaloo where razor ramon won the wwe title he wrestles the british bulldog in a classic on the raw after in your house 2 davy turns heel on razor and lex during a six-man tag match with against owen hart yokozuna and I don't know, uh, some, somebody uh, somebody else, Triple H. And this sets up the match. Razor wins with a small package and retains. Bulldog attacks him afterwards and power slams him a couple of times, leaving with the title and continuing the feud. Right away, I am crawling into SummerSlam September. 1995 a young mr frets is about to start the sixth grade and that's about it the third and fourth in your house pay-per-views were so inconsequential i'm combining them into one review and you know what because i've only gone like 10 minutes so far in this i think i'm gonna finish the 1995 series right here right now and <laughs> I'm I'm getting sick of the 1995 thing. Uh, I wrote this here on my blog, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna rifle through this. Then I can move on to some other fantasy bookings, uh, and you'll just have to wait and see what those are gonna be. So, in your house three, starting off here, Owen Hart versus Hakushi for the Intercontinental Title. In what would be an instant classic, Owen Hart opens the show. He lays out an open challenge saying that he'll beat anyone in the company and prove I am the best intercontinental champion of all time. Out comes Hakushi, fresh off of his face turn at In Your House 2. Hakushi has the match seemingly won after an STO, 
but Owen's foot is under the ropes. The confusion and distraction allows Owen to low blow Rikishi, lock in the sharpshooter for the tap out win. And in a match that was set up at SummerSlam, Waylon Mercy versus Bam Bam Bigelow. After debuting at SummerSlam, Waylon Mercy begins to target Bigelow, cutting his creepy Max Cady-esque promos. While Waylon isn't a legit member of the Million Dollar Corporation, DiBiase still accompanies him to the ring because, well, he's wrestling his former client, Bam Bam. Bigelow hits a top rope moonsault, and then instead of going for the pin, he decides to go after DiBiase. After chasing him around the ring a few times, Mercy stops him with a lariat, back in the ring, hits a big boot, Mercy locks in the sleeper choke, and wins. Ted DiBiase gets a few cheap stomps in as they leave. Next up here, Hunter Hearst Helmsley against Fatu. The former head shrinker returns to... Oh boy, to make a difference... Yes, the future Sultan and Rikishi is here to encourage kids to say no to drugs, to clean up the streets, and to be a good kid. Yeah, this repackaging was just another one of those attempts at a after-school PSA like Sonic, like Sonic says. Or, you know, Teddy Ruxpin did did these deals. Every kid's show I ever watched in the 80s and early 90s had these. So WWE is trying to do this. But, you know what? Rick Fatu's actual thing ended up being about as popular as Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. Uh, if you remember that, I'm sorry. Triple H continues his dominance and makes short work of Fatu. Fatu misses the splash, Triple H hits the pedigree, and it's curtains for the bad man. Next up, The Undertaker and Isaac Yankum, the brothers of destruction, explode. Isaac's alive, Undertaker! <laughs> Taker wins in quick fashion to pop the crowd. And no, Isaac isn't stealing the urn to melt into gold dental implants, fillings, and grills, although that would have been kind of funny. This is just another giant to feed to Taker until mankind arrives. They put on a good show, but Isaac Yankum has put six feet under. Tag Team Championship. One, two, three, kid, and Marty Janetti wrestle the champs the smoking guns and the underdogs win the tag titles for a second time and this was merely a quick upset to pop the crowd and for the guns to win them back in rapid fashion and in the main event wwe champion razor ramon wrestles his former friend savio vega on the Raw after SummerSlam, a battle royal takes place with a title shot on the line at In Your House. Savio wins after eliminating Mabel, yeah, with a bunch of super kicks and whatnot. 
They do the we're friends, but this is the title shtick. Razor wins with the razor's edge and raises his friend's hand to end the show. And the guns win the tag team titles the next night on Raw, and the kid is teasing tension between him and Bob and the fans. In Your House 4, which IRL was a gong show of a pay-per-view. So, yikes. Starting off, we have Ahmed Johnson making his debut against Skip. After making his making his debut here is the dangerously insane, incomprehensible, unsafe Ahmed Johnson. While he was over like Rover, his in-ring work was basic at best. Skip is fresh off the feud with Barry Horriblewitz and is on a bit of a losing streak. This is no different. Ahmed destroys poor Skip and gets the victory with a Pearl River plunge. Afterwards, he stares at Sonny with those big, big eyes. Ironic, since they, you know, allegedly hooked up. In another debut, we have the bizarre one. No, not the British Bulldog, because he's bizarre. Um, it is Goldust against Marty Jannetty. Like IRL at In Your House 4, it's the same deal. Curtain call, and this is just the debut to build up Goldust. In another match that I believe took place IRL at this pay-per-view, if not, it was September. Bret Hart against Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Back in this time, PCO was a human and a coat-stealing pirate. And then he became a not-human and Ring of Honor champion at age, like, 56. <laughs> this match, oh yeah, it did take place in September, but I want to space the feud out for one more month and put it here. The former Quebecer steals Brett's jacket. Brett wins with the sharpshooter in a criminally underrated match. Seriously, watch the actual match of this. It's so good. Like, it's a testament to how good PCO actually is. And in his 50s, he can still go. Like, a couple of years ago, at like a, one of the Joey Janela WrestleMania weekend shows, he had a bit of a resurgence when he wrestled Valter in a just a wacko, wacko match. Like their ch both of their chests after this match looked like a looked like the friggin' reading rainbow. It was ugly. What's not ugly is the next match for the IC title, one two three kid against champion Owen Hart. One two three kid wins via DQ. A rematch from 1995 SummerSlam puts the two workhorses together again. Kid Matt Kid has the match seemingly won, but Hart bops him with the belt right in front of the referee to get himself DQ'd. Ramon comes out to help the kid, but again, the kid is teasing tension. He shoves him like, I don't need your help, or something like that. The, for the tag titles, the Smoking Guns. The new champs, again, after beating the underdogs on Raw, wrestle Aldo Montoya and Savio Vega. Yes, Billy Gunn and Bart the... No, Badass Billy Gunn and the Hammer Bart Gunn against Just Incredible and Quang. Wrestling is weird. The Portuguese Man of War and the Puerto Rican Sensation team up in a challenge to the Heel Cowboys 
an easy win for the guns, for Rockabilly and the Hammer. They cut a promo, giving out about the lack of real challengers in the tag division, and they just shit on the crowd. For the WWE title, Razor Ramon versus Diesel. The Outsiders explode. And in this match, results in a draw. HBK interferes after a ref bump and super kicks Diesel and then wails on him for ages. Officials tear them apart and Razor tries to calm Sean down too, but he gets super kicked for his efforts. Now, I am aware that this was around the time of that Marines incident and Sean could do very little physically. Let's just say Sean and Razor were supposed to face Diesel and Sid in the main event, but it was changed at the last minute because of said attack. Now, I said I was going to finish the rest of 1995 off in this deal, and that's exactly what I am about to do. We are capping off reviewing 1995 on the Fretzelmania podcast here with Survivor Series and In Your House 5. And this series, I've only done it in what, like three or four parts on the podcasting front, but it took me a year to get through on the blogging side of things because, well, sitting down and writing takes time. So does sitting down and talking. Now, I have some ideas of what I'm going to fantasy book in the future, but you're just going to have to wait and see what they are. If you have suggestions, feel free to tweet me at the legendary JF. So starting off here, I'm going to stick with a lot of elimination style matches with a few single matches in between. I love the Survivor Series, but I loved it back in the day when it was strictly all like four on four or five on five matches with no singles in between. You get a team this random team, like you'd get the Rockers, the Ultimate Warrior, and Jim Neidhart as a tag team. Like, what? So here we go. We have Skip, Tom Pritchard, and the Smoking Guns against Barry Horowitz, Hakushi, and Techno Team 2000. Yep, this is an opening match featuring the lower card wrestlers. And right away, Skip is showing off doing his jumping jacks and his Scott Steiner routine, but he's rolled up by Barry and upset by Barry Horowitz again. Pritchard eliminates Barry with Skip's distraction. Hakushi eliminates Pritchard with an STO and then is rolled up. Skip comes back out and brawls to the back. And then the guns destroy Techno Team 2000 and are the sole survivors. Survivors. Replacing the wildcard match as an upper mid-card feud between 1-2-3-Kid, Owen Hart, Sid, and the British Bulldog against Ahmed Johnson, Marty Jannetty, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Bob Holly. The Kid recently turned heel after another failed attempt at the tag titles on Action Zone with Bob Holly, and afterwards he attacks Bob, and when Razor tries to calm him down, he spin kicks the bad guy in the face and unloads on him. DiBiase comes to the ring laughing and pays him off. <laughs> In the match, Razor tries to interfere, but is swiftly sent backstage. The Quid eliminates Bob Holly with a spin kick. Sid eliminates Marty with a powerbomb. 
Bulldog and Ahmed brawl to the back and get counted out. Bam Bam splashes the kid, but he is saved by Sid, who comes back in the match and impressively powerbombs Bam Bam for the win. And for good measure, the kid hits a top rope leg drop, and the new million dollar corporation wins. Goldust against Rad Radford. Louis Spicoli in his grunge gimmick in the WWE. Goldust, I figured I'd give him a quick squash match here, and I sure as hell wasn't going to put Bam Bam against him. Yeah, I'm still mad that Goldust beat Bam Bam Bigelow. Like, what? But I'm sorry, Louis. Goldust makes short, short work of the grunge rocker with the curtain call. Aja Kong against Alundra Blaze for the women's title. We haven't seen the women's title in a while. While the elimination match from this card was unreal, I thought WWE was going to go in this direction with the women's division, specifically with Aja Kong. Then Medusa came out and threw the belt on Nitro. There wasn't much of a women's division in the WWE back then, but I would have done what they did with the light heavyweight title. That title actually has lineage going back to the early 90s or 80s. Like, defend it in Japan and Mexico. Like, people like Jushin Liger, Ultimo Dragon, Chris Benoit, the great Sasuke, Gentleman Chris Adams, Shinjiro freaking Otani are all quote, former champions, and a little bit of trivia here, Ultimo Dragon actually appeared with it on WCW TV. You know, back when Ultimo Dragon was coming out with like, you know, 12 titles. Aja Kong could do the same thing with that back to Japan and wrestle the likes of Plum Makaro, Bull Meccano, and Ronda Singh. Man, it's so sad that two of those names have passed away. Kong wins with a spinning back fist, and we're off to the races. In a street fight, HBK wrestles Diesel. After months of run-ins, trash talk, super kicks, power bombs, the two finally face off. And this match is brutal. Now, wrestling wasn't very hardcore in 1995, but hey, who's running universe mode here? Me. Uh, you know, Brett and Davey from In Your House 5 is an exception. Chairs, tables, and ladders, oh my, and blood will rule this match. HBK does a flying elbow through the table and then hits three consecutive sweet chin musics to cover Diesel for the win. And in the main event, for the WWE title, Bret Hart challenges champion Razor Ramon. After beating not PCO at the last pay-per-view, Bret Hart begins campaigning for a title match. New interim president Gorilla Monsoon says that Bret will have to earn it like everyone else. Monsoon books a one-night tournament on Raw that sets up with Bret defeating Owen Hart. Bret starts cutting promos about the title losing its prestige. Razor Ramon cuts a promo about Brett being the not-so-excellent excellence of execution, being not-so-excellent, or something like that. And he hasn't had the title in so long, etc., etc., or you're not as good, blah, blah, blah. This is classic, I-respect-you, face-versus-face booking. But 
but better because they're both cocky. You know, it's not like Royal Rumble 1993 where, you know, Razor Ramon jumps on one heart and then it's like, oh yeah, Chico, blah, blah, blah. Razor is being booked as kind of a heel here. He's cocky. He's a bully, but he just wants to keep his title. Brett just wants respect and respect brought back to the WWE Championship. A hard-fought match that nearly goes hardcore, much like Brett Diesel from the actual Survivor Series 95. But Brett makes Razor tap out, and the two reluctantly shake hands to close the show. In Your House 5, December, we are finally at the end of 1995. Starting off, we have the roadie against Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, the two former friends finally have the blow-off match, or so it seems. The roadie gets some offense in and hits the shaky leg knee drop, the D-O-double-G. Jarrett rolls to the outside. Roadie follows and gets guitared for the DQ. They wrestle again on Raw in a Loser Leaves Town match that the roadie wins. Ironically, this is the last we see of the roadie until the fall of 1996 when we finally figured out who really sang Spend My Days Working Hard on the Go. Triple H and Henry Godwin in a hog pen match. Same match as before. Triple H wins, but Henry gets his heat back. He gets the last laugh. And the blue blood is madder than pigs and shit. Next up, we have Xanta Claus versus nobody. Sorry. Balls Mahoney's flight from the South Pole is canceled, and we don't get the reverse Santa Claus, which would have been a great sequel to Mick Foley's Christmas Chaos book, turning a pretty dark corner. <clears throat> Undertaker and Jerry Lawler in a casket match. Since he's already buried Mabel in my timeline, the king is next to get dethroned and buried here. I could throw in another steal the urn, melt into a crown and scepter story here, but for a one-off feud in a match like this, it's not worth it. After the match, Taker does the belt taunt, signaling he's going to challenge the WWE Champion at Royal Rumble 96. IC title, Owen Hart, still the champion, against HBK, results in a draw. This is where I'll put the HBK concussion storyline. You know, that one when he ate the enziguri and then HBK fainted. And then it was like, oh, I have to retire. And then you get the cheesy inspirational music. And it's like, oh, no, I'm actually okay. I win the War Rumble. This is destiny. Schmaltzy crap. Yeah, this is this is definitely going to get the, the thing. And in a quote-unquote tribute, the next night on Raw... Razor Ramon wins the Intercontinental title for the fourth and final time. And in the main event, Bret Hart against the British Bulldog, WWE title, same bloody match, same bloody result. This is an underrated classic on an otherwise bad pay-per-view, and I highly recommend that you watch this. Heck, I would watch it after their SummerSlam match. You know, I believe Davey was not effed in this particular match. But 
Man, every time Bulldog and Brett got in the match, they just had amazing chemistry. This dates back to their friggin' even Stampede days, even when it was like the the Bulldogs versus the Hart Foundation for the tag titles in the 80s. So freaking good. Now, I gotta say, like, I, I wrote this on my blog. It's like the the first part of the year of rebooking 1995 was starting to wear on me, and it got harder to write. And eventually my all wasn't in it. But I wanted to bring you my all in this audio review of it. So let me know what you think. I might do some kind of fantasy booking series or do another angle or storyline. But seriously, tweet me at the legendary JF. Send me a DM. No naughty pictures, please. You will be deleted, blocked, and reported. But... Yeah, I'd like to know what would you like to hear me rebook next. So shoot me a DM on Twitter and we'll go from there. So this has been it for rebooking 1995 in WWE. What's next? You're just going to have to wait and see. Frets out. TTFN. Ta-ta for now.